BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. Have you ever had a dream where you woke up in the middle of it and you were just terrified, like quaking, shaking, terrified about something that you dreamed, something so vivid that maybe even a half a day, day, two days later, you were still shuddering in kind of the aftershocks of? Or have you ever had a dream so positive, so happy, so uplifting that you kind of wish you could go back to sleep and get in the middle of it all over again? Well, these are phenomena that all dream researchers are well aware of. They're very common for people. The problem is researchers have just been struggling to understand how the brain processes and even how it generates these emotional memories while we're sleeping. Of course, one longstanding theory about dreaming is that it's how we process the day's events, how the brain kind of sorts through replays and stores things while we're not really paying attention. And also, while we don't need to pay attention because no action is necessary at this moment. Well, now, Swiss researchers have produced a study that they think may help us understand not only how the brain processes things in sleep, but also may open up the avenues for actually treating people, not so much with sleep disorders, but with emotional trauma. And the short version of it is this. During rapid eye movement sleep, REM sleep, dreams happen alongside these intense emotions, but the brain does a pretty good job of separating the intense emotion on the one hand from the need to react to it or the durability of it on the other hand. In the process, sorting, cataloging, and then storing these emotional reactions. In experiments with mice, the Swiss researchers discovered that the two portions of the neurons of the brain, the soma, which is the main part of the cell body, and the dendrites, which is the tendrils, if you want to think of it that way, the inputs, they operate very differently. During the day, things are happening to you, no big deal. Both of them are alive, alert, and fully functional. At night, during sleep, the body soma kind of itself goes to sleep, but the dendrites or tendrils or inputs stay awake and are active. And somehow or other, this allows the dendrites to reprocess, regurgitate, play through things in the day, or imagine things potentially, and have an emotional response. But it's not connected so much with the rest of your brain as it would be through the cell body soma like it normally is during actual experience. So put all that together with the fact that another major brain element, your prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for integrating emotions and memories and activity during the day while you're paying attention, is itself kind of asleep while you're asleep. And this is important. The prefrontal cortex is where trauma is overconsolidated in the brain during daytime operating hours. So things like PTS tend to consolidate in the prefrontal cortex, which is not operating at night. And so the theory is somehow or other, if we can manage to stimulate the tendrils or dendrites of your neurons with mitigating events that have mitigating emotions or play around with the trauma that's kind of separated from major anxiety while you're sleeping, maybe there's a way to alleviate the stress that you experience during daytime. Pretty significant stuff, potentially. All I know is that once upon a time in the ninth grade, Mrs. Spong, my English teacher, made the guys all wear tights when we were performing Romeo and Juliet in class. This was not a great experience for me as a high school freshman. And to be honest, if they can manipulate my dreams and get rid of it, I'd buy that service. Have you been looking for a side hustle, something that you can do in your private, spare time, anywhere, and make pretty good change just doing something that you would otherwise do anyway? Well, I've got something for you. 
if you like to read. Now, if you're the kind of person that graduated high school and said, thank God I never have to read a book again in my life, this is not going to be for you. But if you like to read, there's a website called Words Rated that studies and analyzes book content, and they're looking for a handful, about a dozen to 20 people over the course of the next few months that they're willing to pay to read books. $200 a book. And what you have to do while you're reading the book is you have to keep track of how many characters there are of which gender, how many sentences are given to male versus female characters, locations in the action, and how many questions are asked during the book, and maybe even like what animals appear. And there's other questions as well, but you're, you're reading the book and kind of tracking a variety of data-driven questions that they have about books in general so that they can try to discern whatever their studies are designed to discern. Words Rated says, we give you the books, you read them, we give you cold hard cash. They'll pay you for every book you finish. There's no limit, whether it's a book a day or a book a month. Right now, they're working through women in modern novels, the selections being pulled from the New York Times bestselling novels from 2022. For example, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, or Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Major bestsellers, they're on the list. So if you love to read, don't particularly care about picking what you read, or if this kind of topic sounds appealing to you, here you go. Plus, they'll buy you the book, so you don't even have to pay anything. They will pay you to read them. The theory here is that instead of having their researchers spend all kinds of private time generating the information from reading the books, they hire you. That saves them time and gets them more information more quickly. They're figuring they're going to have their first people online by June and then through August, maybe some more, and eventually about 20 total trusted readers. So if that sounds like fun to you, just check out the Newsweek article entitled Want to Read More Books and you can get the link and sign up and see if you might get the gig. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And finally, from the maybe we could all go to Alaska together after all file, a recent image posted on Reddit is getting the attention of car enthusiasts and 80s sci-fi film fans alike. A Reddit user posted a photo of an allegedly abandoned DMC DeLorean parked in front of a Chinese restaurant somewhere in Anchorage, Alaska that he claims was abandoned. Well, of course, Reddit went wild, wondering, who on earth abandons a DeLorean, one of the greatest cars ever? It's not, but people like to think that, right? And of course, for those of you who may not be familiar, the car is completely famous because it got converted into a time machine by Doc Brown and Marty McFly in Back to the Future. But interestingly enough, though the company went defunct through a wild series of behind-the-scenes problems that plagued the company and the owner, most DeLoreans are still on the road. Out of about 9,000 of them made before the company went away in 1982, there's about 6,500 still running around. I know we had one in our own neighborhood where the couple that owned it, they had restored it, they drove it around, they had pictures of Back to the Future inside their garage. I mean, it was a showpiece, and... When you see them, you're kind of taken aback because they are relatively rare and they're, of course, very distinctive looking. But there is apparently some discrepancy in this case, whether it's actually abandoned, how long it's been there. And of course, Reddit fans took all the opportunities to make the good jokes. Like one person said, I actually use it all the time. You just can't tell because it's always returning directly back to the same time and the same place in your linear view. Somebody else says, yeah, it looks as though it's driven from time to time. <clears throat> 
But since it is in Anchorage, it's a little hard to verify what its status is, and there's no listing for sale, and it's not even clear whether the flux capacitor is in working condition anymore. So, if you want to go to Anchorage and see what might be the truth, be my guest. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup, and consider subscribing to the digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. Hit the five-star rating before you go. I appreciate it. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.